0: Hey everybody, it's Jay. Hope everybody had a great weekend, or as good as a weekend as you could have had, considering the circumstances that we're facing. I know some states are opened up, or going to be opening up this week. Everybody continue to be safe out there, continue to stay healthy, continue to utilize the social distancing rules and guidelines. I think it's really important. Uh, I've been wearing a mask. I, I wear gloves when I go to the grocery store or when I'm out. Uh, I don't think that's going to change for me anytime soon, at least till there's a vaccine. But looks like some states are going to start opening up and, and you know back to normal, back to business as usual, as normal or the new normal that we're going to be facing. I don't know what these states are going to be implementing. I don't know what, like with Florida or Georgia or Texas or any of the states that uh, are going to do this early here. I don't know what they're going to institute in terms of guidelines, in terms of things to live by, rules to live by. So uh, hopefully we don't have this happen again, because the longer this goes on, the worse it's going to be for everybody. And I don't know. I don't know what the right answers are. I don't know what the right course of action is. Again, this is unprecedented. This is uncharted territory. We don't really know. We'll wait and see what happens, I guess, and keep our fingers crossed, and hopefully there's a vaccine sooner rather than later. But, you know, for all those people now venturing out, it it's, it is a little bit discouraging to <clears throat> see people at the beach and clustered up together, and you're like, man, you know, like this is how it's going to start again. So hopefully we don't have that. But in terms of the music world, it seems more and more every day that we're not going to have any concerts. Rat and Cinderella and Skid Row, what else is on that tour? Slaughter postponed their tour last week. Gotten word some of some other artists that were planning on touring in 2020 have completely scrapped any plans or any tours that they were thinking of, and that's sad. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, the big tour that's out there, I expect any day now for that to be postponed or canceled. Bon Jovi, of course, canceled their tour, which... Sounds like it got some pushback in the industry, too, because of the cancellation. And, and the reason why there's postpone and cancellation, just so you know the difference, Ticketmaster, on the fly, changed their protocol, changed their rules that they'll only refund money on canceled tours instead of postponed tours, which is bullshit. I just think that's just absolutely ridiculous. I think if they're postponing for, I I would, I would even allow them a ninety-day postponement rule. Like, okay, it has to be, you know, it has to take place within ninety days, or you get your money back. I would even be okay with that. But the reason why they're doing that is because if they have to postpone or if they have to refund all this money, they're going to go out of business, which. I know a lot of people won't be that sad about about that you know I I know I know there's people out there that would love to see Ticketmaster go out of business and I can't say that I I wouldn't be too upset if that happened so you know I mean people I, I mean I don't want anybody to lose their jobs or anything like that but they are greedy and they have a reputation of being greedy That's why Bon Jovi canceled, so people could get their money back. Now, I don't know if the motivation for others who are postponing is strictly about the money. Nine times out of ten, it usually is. But if there's not going to be any concerts this year, or if people don't feel comfortable going to large gatherings, you shouldn't penalize them for that. I'm one of the ones that falls on the side of I don't want to be in a large group of people until there's a vaccine. I have diabetes, and I am compromised in terms of my immune system. So I have to be extra careful about what I do and where I go as a result of this. And there's many, many of you who are in the same boat, whether you've had chemo before for cancer or whatever. It's a difficult decision to make for some. You know, I mean, you don't want to, you know, risk your health over a rock and roll show. Of course, it was Led Zeppelin, I would maybe, jokingly, may uh, have a difficult time, you know, deciding that. But, you know, for people that bought tickets to these shows through Ticketmaster, it's, uh, you shouldn't force people to make a decision like that. I mean, their health is number one, and number two... People need to put food on the table at this point, and we have 16 million people that are now unemployed, and more and more people are going to be struggling. More and more people are going to be filing for unemployment. The longer this goes on, the worse it's going to get. Do the right thing, in my opinion, Ticketmaster. Give back people the money that you know on these postponed or canceled tours. I mean, no, nothing is going to take place this year. We're already starting May, the fifth month of the year. I don't see this getting any better in terms of large crowds, in terms of you know big groups of people, and having a social distance from each other. So we all know what the right thing to do is. Sometimes big corporations fail to do the right thing. Moving on to the newest episode, which you're about to hear. Ian Thornley from Big Wreck. A man I've been looking forward to interviewing for a while. Finally came to be last week. I had a chance to sit down with him and talk to him about the latest record, But For The Sun, which was one of my favorite records in 2019. Got to talk to him about the passing of Ryan Doherty and how that affected the recording of But For The Sun. And just in general, what he's doing during this Shut down and you know how he spot insp- gets inspired to make music and lyrically and writing music and all that. And he, very interesting interview. Very thoughtful guy. You can tell he he thinks about what he's saying and he thinks about the answer. And not every answer is just a standard one. And as someone who, who has interviewed people, I do appreciate that. So that was that was great. But it was it, Phenomenal interview. I wish it could have gone on longer. That's the, probably the only disappointment that I had is that we we only had a time frame that we had to conduct the interview and finish the interview. But great guy. I'm happy that this is the 100th episode, one of my favorite bands that are out there. For those of you that are not familiar with Big Rec and are listening, I can't say enough about this band. Just a phenomenal group of musicians Phenomenal songs, well-written songs, just great music. I mean, I can't say... They're really indescribable. They're not like anything else. Ian Thornley is the lead singer. He plays lead guitar. He has amazing tone. You know, the rest of the guys in the band, Dave McMillan, Chuck Keeping, Chris Cadell, all incredibly musicians. I had a chance to see them live out in Chicago, this past November, and they were phenomenal. Just matched what was on the record and provided a great show. Look forward to seeing them again. And this is a band that you really should support. Well, uh, let me rephrase that. You should support every band that makes good music or every band that you like. And it's a shame that a band like Big Rec has a challenge finding an audience, has a challenge getting on the radio, has a challenge getting... Publicity Because they're one of the best acts Around over the past decade Absolutely You know they had their first album In Loving Memory Which was 97 And of course The Pleasure and the Greed But really since Albatross Which was the album in 2012 And Ghosts and Gray Street And now but for The Sun You know they've been really putting out some great material over the past decade. I wish more people would listen to them and take the advice of people like me and check them out because they're a phenomenal band. Ian's got a great voice. His, like I said, his tone on guitar is awesome. So we're going to get to that shortly. But like I said, this is the 100th episode of the Hook Rocks Ultimate Community Podcast, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you all for indulging me and allowing me to do what I love to do, which is talk rock music. Talk to new bands. Talk to artists like Ian. I'd like to thank everyone who's been on the show, everyone that's done an episode. I'm very grateful for your help and support and the conversations we've had. I look forward to the next 100 and beyond, and I look forward to more conversations. Thank you for allowing me to have this outlet. The true story of how this podcast was created was, I'm a single dad, and my my son is 15. He's a freshman in high school. And I was realizing that, like any young kid who's growing up, he's becoming more independent. He wants to hang out with his friends more than his old man, and I had to think of something to do, think of something to occupy my time, and that's why I started the podcast, because I love talking music, and I love communicating with all my followers and everything and and talking music. It has allowed me to fill the time that I normally would have with my son in years past, but you know, he's out hanging out with his friends. He's doing his own thing. He's, he's a typical teenager. You know, I don't fault him for that, or I don't have, you know, animosity towards him for that. That's what all young kids should do. So here we are, 100 episodes in. Thank you again. 100 episodes more are on the way. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy the interview with Ian Thornley, and we'll continue to bring you great content, Great conversations, great topics. If you have any ideas or anything like that, you can always DM me. I love getting messages from you guys, so please do. Once again, enjoy the conversation with Ian Thornley from Big Rec. Thanks. Good evening, everybody. It is Jay Scott. Welcome to another episode of the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's staying healthy, staying safe out there. Hopefully, we'll be out and about here sooner rather than later, but uh, we just got to wait and see what happens. But nonetheless, I hope everyone's doing okay. Hope everyone's keeping their mind active, reading books, listening to music, watching TV, engaging with your family, whatever it takes. Hope everyone's doing well. We'd like to welcome our next guest to the Hook Rocks podcast, all the way from Toronto, Canada, Mr. Ian Thornley from Big Wreck. How you doing today, Ian?
1: I'm doing all right.
0: Well, hey, I, right. I appreciate you doing this. I'm a big fan of Big Wreck, huge fan of the latest album that was released in 2019, but for The Sun, one of my favorite albums for 2019. Such a great, great record.
1: Thanks,
0: sir. Thanks. Well... We always ask the same question every time we have a first-time guest on the show, and that's the essence of the podcast. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or a performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What hooked you?
1: Uh, on rock and roll in particular or music in general? Uh, both well i I've, I've been uh, I've been sort of hooked on music since uh before I can remember um growing up uh, my folks um, had a massive music collection always playing music my mom was always singing and um, I started playing piano at a very young age but I would have to say uh as far as the rock and roll thing I mean there was a few sort of little signposts along the way um but I, my dad took me to see Bruce Springsteen uh at the Exhibition Stadium the uh, the old X here in Toronto when i was real little i must have been 12 um and it was just such a huge crowd and a huge experience I, it it really uh it opened my eyes and you know of course bruce is uh one of my heroes to this day and it just uh yeah just seeing that kind of um I don't even know the word, but it's sort of a transcendent thing when you have that many people who are all tuned to the same channel at the same time in one place. Uh you know, and he was just he was leading everyone so beautifully. It was it was uh yeah, it was a real it was a real eye opening experience, you know. One that kinda really left an impression. So I'd have to I'd have to go with that one maybe.
0: Where did it go from there? you know, where was your evolution as the artist? You know, when did that happen from seeing Bruce in concert to wanting to play guitar, wanting to be in a band?
1: Yeah, I said I was a, I was a piano player and, uh, you know, that sort of quickly, and this is this sort of mid eighties. So the the piano quickly moved to synthesizers. Um, I actually joined a band when I was 13. Um, I was a keyboard player, was all they were all in their sort of early twenties uh and they they their keyboard player bailed for a gig or something and and it was like my second cousin or something like that. I was somehow related to the singer uh, and uh I sure I still am related to the singer, but anyway she she kind of blew in a call. And I don't think we'd ever really met, but she sort of heard tell that I was this pretty talented kid. and um, I, Yeah, she just sort of called me and said, do you think you could play keyboards for, for a show? And I was like, yeah, was like, that's exciting. Um, so that I just kind of joined that band and uh, went to Toronto and um, recorded some demos. So I got to experience the, you know, the studio life, uh, at least being in the studio and recording and, and what that took. Uh, back in the day and it was just sort of um it was fun and it was interesting to be you know getting picked up from picked up from school and, and taken uh, to the outskirts of Toronto to some big studio and, and you know laying down my keyboard back but uh, yeah and then I, I stopped playing keyboards for a while I stopped playing piano for a while and, and um picked up a guitar a couple of years after that. Um, I was pretty late to guitar. Uh, and yeah, I just kind of, you know, I got the bug, um, it was sort of on the other side of, of music, uh, for me guitar versus piano. It was, um, I don't know. It was just a little more immediate. Maybe, or is the word? I don't know. It's hard. I've never really tried to articulate it before, but it just, felt, it, it scratched a different itch for me. Uh, it may be because of what I was feeling at the time and what I was going through at the time. I don't know. But I took to it. Uh, it, I, my father had gotten me a, a guitar. I think it was a birthday present. Um, I learned a chord or two and put it in my closet for about a year. Uh, and then with, I was, must have been about 16, um, when I, uh, I had a friend who who knew how to play and showed me a few more things. And once I discovered open tunings and, uh, you know, there were a few things that sort of really lit a fire. And th- and then it was just, I was just close. Um, and then your guitar has been in my hand every day ever since. You know?
0: What about writing music? You know, I mean, was there an influence there on you know, whether a song or a particular songwriter that you heard lyrics and you said, you know, I really connected with that. I really want to write music too as well. I mean, because there's a difference between just playing and then, you know, versus sitting down and, and constructing a song and, and trying to write lyrics that
1: connect with people. Yeah, I uh, well, um, I don't, it's, I kind of break that into two different things. There's, there's sort of a... Uh, the inspiration and that sort of creative spark that just kind of happens, uh, that can happen in any which way and come from anything. Um, and it can happen while you're searching for something else, you know, while you're trying to figure out some new technique or something, you know, it's something, that says, wait a second, and something sparks your interest, your curiosity, whatever it is. And then next thing you know, this thing falls in your lap. Uh, that's a, you know, the sort of mystical, magical part of it that, uh, like Tom Peck said, you never want to look too closely at that, unless it goes away. You just, you just kind of, uh, um, you don't take it for granted. Um, I just try to keep a guitar in my hands as much as possible, uh, in the off chance that something just falls into your lap. Um, the rest of the time you're working for it, and, you know, searching for it. Um yeah, and and, and then I, of course once uh, once you have an idea or or you know a seed is planted, then then it, then then there comes in the, into play the the craft of songwriting, um, which is something that you know I think everybody who does it tailors to taste. You know, everybody writes songs differently, and um, there are certain moves that some writers make that I would never make, and vice versa. Um, as far as just connecting. You know, I connect to all different styles of song and, and all different styles of music and, um, abstract lyrics and very straightforward lyrics. Um, you know, we've lost some, some great ones in the past couple of years. Some of my favorites, um, that, did uh, write in very different fashions, very different styles, um, but yeah i, I and I, for me personally, I don't think I've ever i'm I'm lucky in one sense that I've never had a great big giant uh, worldwide dominating hit because i'm not I'm not painted into that corner I, I don't have uh, I don't have to write songs that go like that, you know I can kind of experiment and try different things on as a writer um, as long as they feel authentic, as long as they feel true to me. Um, I'll go with it and, and work with it. Um, as abstract as, as a lyric may be, or as on point, um, as, as a lyric may be, or anywhere in between, you know. Um, subject matter is, is, is always, you know, that, that can come from anywhere. Uh, and sometimes it's just, you know, usually for me, uh, it, it something sort of springs out of the music when the, the music usually comes first. I'm not a I'll put pen to paper and, and then you know, staple it to a song. I like them to come in on the same bus and, and, and I I usually I uh, wait for the music to tell me something. Um and I think if you're if you're open to it you'll hear you'll hear a melody with a with a shape of, of words, you know almost phonetically. And if you can kind of plug into that, something comes out, either a phrase or a line or, you know, and sometimes, uh, I'll have something that I've, you know, jotted down on my phone or on a piece of paper that I'm like, okay, that's, that's the home for that. And then I'll, you know, take that line or that phrase with, with a piece of music and say, okay, let's plant these two together and see what happens. Um, but like I say, it, it does happen all different ways, um, and I think I think for me uh, personally, the way it all started was just just curiosity. Um, why do certain things make me feel a certain way? You know, if, be it a lyric or or a change or a, a part of a song or uh, a motif, whatever it may be. Why does that make me feel that way? But I'll start sort of following it down the rabbit hole and sort of reverse engineering it, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, and usually along the way, you you sort of learn a few tips and tricks, um, about how certain people are doing certain things. Uh, always keeping in mind that the initial inspiration and the initial spark is something that can't really be learned or taught, uh, it's just something you have to be lucky enough to, to to get, and I think you can sort of build your own luck by by putting in more work. You know,
0: yeah, I, I imagine writing something that's personal to you. You know, you have the the vulnerability. You know, you're you have to relive you know moments that may not be comfortable, and you're putting that on paper, mm-hmm. and you're and you're singing that to a crowd, and you know you're you're reliving it. It could be therapeutic on one on one end, and it could be you know, difficult on the other, you know, depending on how you feel about the the situation. But what's really kind of unique with, with writing a song for people is that if you are writing something that is difficult, you can connect with people over that and that can help them. That could be therapeutic for them. So it's, it's, I always enjoy how someone connects with a song.
1: Yeah, I, I well, I think, uh, and again, this is just me personally. I, I, uh, that has more to do with the performance aspect of it. Um, and, and, and like I said, just, just for me, I I wish I could, I could write, you know, um, you know, the way Bruce Springsteen would write a lot of these sort of character uh songs, you know, where it's, it's just like so-and-so goes down to the, you know, that, that kind of thing. And then, and then takes on the perspective of, of whoever the character is in the song, and I'm sure he's probably putting some of himself into that character. But uh, I've never, been, I've never felt comfortable doing that. I've never felt comfortable performing a song where I'm somebody else. You know, maybe for a line or two where you're, in a, where you're imagining something, it's, 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 it's okay. But I, I, and that's just for me. I just don't think that I'm built that way. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that can do it and do it very well. I'm just not one of them. I have to, I for me, it has to be, it has to come from, it has to, or it not come from, it has to have some sort of connection personally, um, in order to feel real in order to pull, um, pull whatever it is out of me that's going to, that's going to make it feel authentic. And I, and I think that's hopefully what, what an audience would, uh, or a listener would connect with, you know, is that, okay, well, this, 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 this guy means it. Whatever he's saying, he means it. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, the next level is when you, when you start connecting with actual words. And, that, and that's, you know, me as a listener, ever since I was a kid, I connect with uh, melodies and, and the music first. Um, and then when I start listening to a singer, I'm listening to the performance um, and I'm listening to the tone of the voice before, before I'm really listening to words. And I know that na- nowadays that the, the fad is, is to just concentrate on some, a little hook, a little, um, a little turn of phrase. And, and, you know, I, that, that to me seems um, kind of disposable and, and not timeless. I think it, you know, when it's all connected to the same thing, I think that's, that's going to leave a, a longer lasting mark and, and more of an impression on somebody who's willing to put in the time to listen to it. Uh, as opposed to having it on in, in the background and saying, oh, that's a good toe tapper. Uh, I'm, t- I'm talking about a deeper connection. Um, so I do, when, when, with the next level for me is when you actually start connecting to certain phrases, certain lyrics, certain things. Certain images that are coming across in, in the lyric itself, uh, aside from the performance of it. Um, that's a different, that's, that's a deeper level. Um, and when that, the, you know, that, that you never, I don't think anyone ever finishes that, you know, um, that's a search and a learning process that, that hopefully I'll never stop, um, Embarking on, and and yeah, you know, I think most writers would feel the same way. There's um, there's always more to learn about um, this art form, you know, music and and writing and playing. All of it, there's, there's always more to learn. I think as long as you're as long as you're on the right path and you're staying true to yourself, uh, that's the for me anyway. That's the best the best most fruitful way to do it. You know, I I seem to get. I get the most juice out of uh, the music when I'm not trying to be someone
0: else, you know? The record last year, the album last year, but for The Sun, 2019, was, like I said in the beginning, a great album, really connected with me on a, a few different levels. You know, with the recording process and the writing process that you, know, that you just mentioned, um, and then you have the passing of Brian Doherty with that record and, and developing that record, you know, with all go- all what was going on, how did you guys manage to get through that and, and put out such a, a lovely record?
1: Um, well, uh, while we were putting the record together, um, everybody was fully expecting, um, a full recovery from Brian. You know, I found out what was going on and, um, had to skip a couple shows because um because of some issues but uh you know and then we and then we started with the pre-production um and it was just sort of like well bry's not going to be involved in the pre-production He's just going to concentrate on his health and get better and and i think that's the the headspace that we were all in at the time um You know, a lot of, you know, I was in constant contact with him. He was about four hours away from from me. Um, but we were still sort of on the phone or texting, um, you know, frequently, very frequently. Um, and yeah, it was all, it was all positive. It was just like, well, we just gotta get through this and then deal with that. And then, you know, we got these shows coming up and blah, blah, blah. It was that kind of thing. Um, and then as far as the process of putting together a record, it was, um, for the most part, like any other, we sort of uh, dig through a pile of, of sketches and ideas that I have laying around and, and sort of pick ones that we think fit, fit the, the the idea of, of what we want the record to be. And, and this record, we, we wanted something to feel like a real rock and roll record um raw and and uh unapologetic and and, and live feeling and um not self conscious it just just sort of you know that sort of opening a vein and and, and you know we really wanted that that feel. Um so we just, just basically went about picking ideas that that, that were in that in that Game, uh and then you know and of course while you're putting all these things together new ideas will pop in and you know if, if they fit the mold and then the, then you you throw them in with the others and, and let them all fight it out so you have whatever it is 12 or 15 that that uh that you like um and then of, of course the, the recording process was was very quick because of, and that was by design we wanted it to be um a very live feeling record. There weren't a lot of, uh, weren't a lot of overdubs. There weren't a lot of, I'm, I'm speaking comparatively here and I just keep myself in check because I, I love overdubbing and I love counterpoint and I love parts, you know, I love fitting, mixing colors, you know, I love all that. Um, but I, I tried not to do as much as I, as I generally do, um, just to, to sort of capture the sound of the band. Um, you know, a lot of the vocals were just first takes, uh, and that kind of thing, I think, lends to, uh, an honesty and an immediacy to the record. Uh, and then as far as the lyrical content, I think, you know, some of the fears that, that I was beginning to have, um, with regard to Brian, I think, you know, those obviously started to creep into the lyric and then, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, sort of looking back and and, and uh, uncertainty about looking forward. You know, a lot of those things that are naturally going to be there in a situation like that. Um, you know, I know that Brian loves the record, though. But, you know, that sort of—I feel like I did my job there. Uh, and if he didn't, he would tell me. That's that was the kind of relationship that we had. He's always brutally honest um, with me about about music but yeah I I, I, I ended up with um, the very bittersweet feeling obviously uh, I was a very painful time obviously um, you know losing him and, and you know and watching him go that was that was an awful time uh, in many respects I think you know, all things I had the birth of my son was right around then as well, so it was it was, a, it was a very mixed up time. Um, but the record was completed by then. Um, so yeah, that was a weird year. Not that this this year is turning out to be a normal one. Holy moly. So yeah, the last couple of years have been pretty strange.
0: Was music and, and touring, you know, with all what was going on after that record came out and doing you know, all the, you know, what was going on during the process, was getting out on the road a sense of therapy for you?
1: Um, it can be. Uh, I think, like, you know, I always say that when I'm when I'm in the studio, I wish I was on the road, and when I'm on the road, I wish I was in the studio. Um, and, of course, now I'm neither um I'm in my basement. <laughs> I've put together a little, uh, a little riff shack down here, just with a little, a little Pro Tools rig and a couple guitars. And, um, you know, back at it, just standing over the rabbit hole or, or fishing or whatever you want to, whatever analogy you want to use. Um, just writing and, and seeing where it takes me. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you get to exercise a lot of demons um, when you're on tour. And unfortunately it's, a, I'm sure it's very physically taxing when you're, when you're that tired and, and underslept and malnourished and you're on stage. And and for some reason that's when your voice is in the best shape and your hands are in the best shape of being on the road for, for a few weeks and, and really sort of honing in on the, on the set and the songs and, and really getting to the core of, of what they're, what they mean to be performed live. You know, that, uh, that can be really be therapeutic because it really is, uh, you know, it's a sort of transcendental, whatever it is, it's a transcendent rather uh, aspect of music where you get to, you get to leave, you know, you get to sort of, you're just sort of so in the zone that you're almost not there. You become a spectator. Um, and I love that. And you know, I sort of lived for it. And then after the show, you're spent and you're exhausted, but you really do feel like you've, um, just been, just had a bath some kind of view. you know, there's something very energizing about it. Uh, I, I do wish, um, we could tour in a different scale that, uh, I <laughs> wish we did have a couple of those big giant worldwide smashes just so that the, uh, you know, financially it would make the, the touring a little bit easier. Um, because it's still kind of rough and tumble for us, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just unhappy that we get to go out there and do it. Um, and I'm, seriously bummed that we don't get to do it this summer i'm looking forward to getting out this summer
0: uh yeah it can be good how is you know the quarantine affecting you are you creating you know how i mean i've talked to a couple other musicians in the in the past month and they've basically said that you know or some some say that they're creating a lot and some say because i'm doing the same thing over and over again it's hard to be creative
1: yeah, well, I, I think a bit of both, um, because, like I said, I We got off that last tour was uh, that was a big one. That was about four months, uh, give or take. And it was, it was, you know, when I'm not on tour, I'm I'm a homebody, um, to be sure. I'm, I'm, you know, if I'm not on the road or in the studio, I'm I'm at home, and and always with a guitar in my hand or, or You know, with a kid on my lap, it's it's, uh, and that's that's the way I like it. So with with this all this happening, I um, like I said, I've been down here in in my little beat factory, and um, I've always known um, that the creative process is kind of a roller coaster. It's up and it's down, and when it's up, um, songs just fall fast and hard, you know, and they just kind of, they, here they are, and if you, it's, all you have to do is capture them, you just got to have a big enough net to try and catch as many as you can, and then when it's down you're, you're struggling um, and every song sounds wrong, and everything sounds forced, and everything's a fight uh, but, it, you, you know, through that process uh, I've, I've found some beautiful things as well um, and so sometimes it's easiest for me to just sort of not Engage that conversation at all, and just do the work. You know, um, just come down, and, and I have now uh, maybe thirty or forty ideas uh, since this all began. And I'll just take, take each one. You know, I'll just sort of pick one every every morning, I'll come down with my coffee, and pick one, and say, okay, well, let's let's push this one a few more yards down the field. Uh, and if it's not happening we'll move on to something else move on to something else um, because eventually uh, it's like surfing or, or like racing eventually you're gonna catch one and it's and, and it's you know then you then, then you're not thinking you're just following it you're like the song is telling you what it wants and you just sort of provide um, and that that's very inspiring and it and it's very fulfilling um, yes I wish it could go out to a restaurant yes i wish i could go out to a movie or go out to a show or whatever it is but uh you know for the most part i i spent all my 20s so i'm I'm good (laughs) um and yeah it's you know it's for me personally it's not that much of a change um my creative process happens a lot uh in privacy, alone, Um And that's, you know, what we're doing now. So.
0: With everything going on, obviously, in the situation we're dealing with globally, I mean, everybody is in the same boat. You know, everyone in music is, is pretty much waiting to see what happens. Is there a plan, you know, for Big Rack for you when this does come to an end? Or is it still kind of, well, we'll wait and see what happens. We will, we'll wait and see what the new normal's like. What is your thought process? Yeah,
1: I, yeah, well, there's, there's a, it's a bit of both. I mean, there's a plan. Uh, there's a plan in place, but that's constantly changing as, as everything else. Is, right. Um, so like they'll take the, they'll take a tour and they'll take a show and they'll say, well, let's move it to this date," and then we'll see if things are, are okay by then. Um, and, and we're going to do a record here. Well, now let's move it over here. We'll do the record here. But these are all, these are all subject to change because, you know, situation being what it is, it's very fluid. It's not, uh, nothing is set in stone right now. So, you know, uh, that's pretty scary for me because that's that's how I make a living. I mean, nothing compared to what so many other people are going through. Um, But yeah, it's it's a hard time for everybody. And I'm trying really hard to not, focus too much on it because it is scary and, it, and it's a complete vibe kill and, and it really takes the wind out of my um yeah it, it's pretty bleak when you look at it a certain way um, so the, the trick is to try and you know stay abreast of it but not not, not look at it too often or, or if, if you can don't look at it at all you just keep doing what you're doing um, so yeah, I, I don't really know. I can't. I can't. I don't have any solid dates for anybody to, to say. Well, this is going to happen here. That's going to happen there. Um, I'm in pretty consistent contact with my manager and, and you know, he's in pretty consistent contact with everybody uh, from label to agents and um, and everybody in between. Just to okay. Well, let's let's see if this is going to work and see if that'll work. Um, for me personally, I'm, I, yeah, it's, it's a scary time. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to stay afloat um, <laughs> in my own house, you know.
0: Well, you know, as I've said before, it, it's going to end at some point, you know, and and it's it's because we're in unprecedented territory, we just don't know, you know. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, there's certain parts of the country are better off than other parts, and it's just, and and, and if those other parts that are better off start, you know, allowing people to go out, will that affect them? And then it it just, no one really knows because no one's ever dealt with anything like this. And it's, it's unprecedented times. Um, It will end at some point. What will life be like after that in the short term versus long term? We don't know. It's just like you said, you know, it's, it's hard to gauge what's going to happen when nobody knows, you know, and, and uh, it could be frustrating for, for
1: a lot of people. I think it's sort of settling into a rhythm around here, um, of really, uh, enjoying the little things, you know, which can be hard to do, but it's basically a mindset. Um, and you know, like everybody, everybody's trying as much as they can to be quick with a laugh and, uh, and just keeping it light, um, as much as possible. And I think that's been helpful for us. Um, in the house It just uh trying trying not to focus too much on on all the weirdness um and you know we're able to get outside a little bit uh, go for walks around the block and, you know there's not a lot of traffic there's not a lot of <clears throat> airplane noise or construction going on so in that in that way it's, it's interesting but uh yeah, it's you know, if it's a nice warm day, for instance, um, you know, there's a that's a good thing. And that that's something that'll that'll help. Um, I don't I can't remember what the term is, but I'm definitely one of those people who's affected by the weather. Um, if it's a beautiful sunny day I'm I'm gonna go sit on the porch and and feel good for a bit. And that's why just sort of really focusing on the little things like that. that that can keep things moving forward. Um, You know, if you get outside of that, start biting off big chunks and looking at the what if and the what if, worrying about things. uh, I can really dig myself into a hole. I've had to um, sort of ration out my, my news intake uh, for just that reason i, I you know I want to say a best of what's going on i want I wanna know what the numbers are where we stand how we're doing what the curves look like, but I also don't want to hear too much you know um, it's a very very weird time it's a very weird time
0: well, Ian, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. It's been an interesting conversation, a great conversation. Thank you very much for for doing this absolutely. Once again, everybody, that is Ian Thornley from Big Rec. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Once again, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk again soon. Thank you.